What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, fantasy fam? Welcome to our second DraftKings DFS lab of week one 2023 season. I am your host, JM to win. In a moment, I'll be bringing up Keegan. We will be breaking down a roster. If you're new to this show, the concept is for Keegan to essentially be a proxy for you. Uh, Keegan's been playing DFS for a couple of years, so hopefully asking the questions that you're asking. We're going to work through a roster, work through some thoughts on some games. Saturday morning, so we're a little bit closer to our final thoughts on things. With that, let's get started. One week season. That was pretty smooth, right? Had the intro, the music. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm a big time director now on this. Uh, How are you doing? Just been doing it for too long, huh? Oh, I know. (laughs) It's too easy at this point. Oh, that's awesome. You know what I realized this morning? Um, that is the same hat that you wore to Becca's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Man, I've had this hat for so long. I think it's been like four years or something. <laughs> I love this hat. Like, I, you ever get attached to a hat and it's just like... I get I get too attached to a hat and then I look, I look at it and I'm like, why am I still wearing this? And then I, <laughs> then I switch for like a new one and then two years later, I think the same thing. <laughs> I think that's that hat for you. It's like I, hey, if, any, if anybody wants to give me a new hat feel free no 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 <laughs> i like this i like but i am your hair has gotten wild underneath there <laughs> yeah fun fact i'm actually getting a uh, a haircut on monday my hair is so long to the point to where the hat is actually used to keep it out of my face <laughs> <laughs> definitely been there um so we're getting a, a little bit of lag on Keegan's computer on his end, but we're still being able to hear it. So everything should be good for us to go with this show. Uh, all right. So Keegan, we are going to build another roster. We'll go ahead and pull up your screen. So it's Saturday. Again, this is not um, this is not so much about a roster that we're going to put in play as it is a thought exercise and talking about how we would work through some of these spot some of these players, some of these games, and then the, the strategy and theory behind how we might build a roster. But with that, we do have clearer thoughts at this point in the week than, or maybe we don't, I don't know. Like at this point, I almost feel, I feel so lost this morning just because I'm like, I've been working on this slate for so long. And now I'm like, well, wait, I've got to make decisions. You know what I mean? Like, and really decide who my core team is. But at the same time, like, by this evening, we kind of start, I feel like things start falling into place if we're in a good headspace. So uh, yeah, we have about as much information as we're going to have. So uh, I'll toss it over to you. How do you want to start this roster? Or what, are, what are some of the things you're thinking about at this point in the week? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm just at this point, I'm really just nervous about uh, where I'm at ownership wise on my, my teams and my quarterbacks. Uh, it, it's not necessarily where I want to be, but it's where I've ended up based on um, maybe just opinion and um, how I think games are going to go this, this week. What do you mean by that's such a, an interesting box to open because sometimes, okay. So uh, with, with ease of transcription services now through AI, I started doing a lot more voice notes instead of like typing stuff or, or writing notes on my phone, just like my internal thoughts. And hearing yourself say things out loud can sometimes be therapeutic. Like you work through your thoughts the same way you do in your mind, except you say it out loud so you can kind of hear it back. And you just said out loud that you're not necessarily happy with 
where you're at on quarterbacks just based on like like maybe you're just going to people because of what everyone else is saying almost you know what i mean so it's like yeah. I think that's an interesting thing at this point in the week is we can kind of start to have this fear mentality and then we can look and be like <clears throat> we can be like man i don't like necessarily what i'm doing i kind of feel like i'm being pushed this way from what everybody else is saying but then we don't like correct that until after the fact and we're like oh yeah i should have gone this this different direction um so what are some of the spots uh, some of the spots where you're like i wasn't feeling this way but i keep hearing this or uh something like that or maybe you're not totally happy with the direction you're going um i think i have i have a lot of uh like hertz and burrow you know just like the the top guys that are really being talked about right now and and i kind of want to lean more towards some like contrarian plays like necessarily like um I don't know, Russ. I mean, Russ is not, not even necessarily like a, a contrarian play at this point. I think everybody's kind of on Russ as well. So maybe yeah, he's, uh, he's a little bit more uncomfortable, at least, than, yeah, than maybe some yeah. of the other guys. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, who's the Washington quarterback? Oh, Sam Howell. Yeah, I, I feel very uncomfortable playing Sam Howell. And um, I just don't feel like I know who who to stack and who to bring back with on that. On that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I've realized has started to hurt me this week is I played really well last year when I started doing multi-entry. We've talked about that on the show, and you and I have talked about that. But part of it was that when I was playing limited entry, which is what I've done for nine years for the most part, but when I was playing limited entry – I would sometimes have this tendency to like start working too early in the week to figure out my roster, my main roster. And so as I was building practice builds, I was always building them thinking about what can I most predict is going to happen or what's the most optimal roster I can put together, which is how people lose money in DFS. Whereas when I'm building for with like 150 rosters in mind, as I'm going through things throughout the week, I'm thinking through like, what could happen, right? Like what could win me a tournament in the slant against 50,000 people. And then on Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'm able to say, okay, of all these rosters I've built, which ones actually make the most sense for limited entries. So yeah, I mean, even last night, I was still kind of in that mode and mindset of building. I I went to bed at 1.30 in the morning I woke up like 15 minutes later and like my body thought I'd taken a, a cat nap because <laughs> I was wide awake. So I was like, well, I laid there for 10 minutes. I was like, well, I'm going to get up and make some food and, and work on rosters some more. And as I was working on them, it was like, I was realizing that I was very much building, trying to build a small field, single entry roster. And it's almost like those will come together, but you have to be willing to build some of these um, rosters that are like a little bit, more off the board. I'm trying to look at some of these. Okay. So like, here's one that I built last night when I was trying to force myself to be a little bit more off the board. And even this isn't uh, that far off the board, but it's, um, it's a Derek Carr roster with Chris Olave, uh, no bring back. And then I have Austin Eckler and Tyree kill because I have Austin Eckler and Tyree kill. That means I don't have Justin Jefferson, but I still expect the Vikings to have a good game. So then Debo Samuel, not Debo Samuel, uh, KJ Osborne is on this roster. 
basically saying, okay, so if Justin Jefferson isn't getting the points, but I still think Minnesota does well, hopefully those points fall to me. So now if Eckler and Tyreek Hill hit, they're that much more powerful because I'm also betting on Justin Jefferson kind of disappointing and KJ Osborne getting those points. Uh, and then I have Rashad White and as kind of like a bring back opposite of KJ Osborne, uh, I have Debo Samuel because I think he's dramatically underpriced. Uh, and then Mike Gusecki. And then because this roster is kind of put together so uniquely, the, the salary worked out for Washington Commanders. So I put in Washington Commanders. And even that's not like a crazy roster. But what I was trying to get to for myself was because I'm not heavy on Tyree Kill and, and Austin Eckler myself. Nothing against that spot, but I'm just it's not a spot that I'm heavy on in, in my play so far. But I was trying to get to like a spot where I was thinking more about the theory behind the rosters than about the picks behind the rosters. Because realistically, any of these guys everyone's talking about are good plays. And so it's more about how we put the plays onto a roster. But I've been spending all this time being, and I think you're probably in the same space, like spending all this time trying to think like, who's the right play out of these good plays, you know? And, yeah. and the edge, we always say the edge is more about how you put the good plays onto a roster in a way that can win you a tournament. And yet I had been like, I mean, I'm still kind of drifting away from that and trying to fight my way back to, to finding that groove for this week. Cause yeah, I've spent so much time thinking about who are the good plays that I've sort of missed out. Like here's, here's one more I'll walk through real quickly. Uh, it's got Debo Samuel and George Pickens, which is just a really interesting way to play that game. No quarterbacks from it. Uh, still has Chris Alave on this one, Jalen hurts and AJ Brown. So no, like none of the top wide receivers, no Justin Jefferson, no Tyree kill, um, no Austin Eckler, uh, and then, but you got Jalen Hurts, who, you know, people won't, if they're playing these other guys, they might not have the salary for Hurts. And then most people won't have A.J. Brown on those Hurts rosters. Uh, and then Miles Sanders, Khalil Herbert, the Jags defense. And so trying to find some of these rosters, even if they're just practice builds, where I'm thinking a little bit more uncomfortable and recognizing I don't have to play those, but it's just like thinking through the theory. Because the worst thing to me is coming out of a Sunday being like, oh, I lost because I was just like, trying to predict everything because that's how people tend to lose. And so I'm trying to, after like, it's weird. We've spent so much time because it's week one, we're trying to get a handle on all these teams. So it puts us very much in that mindset of like, well, let me predict what's going to happen. And then like week one ends here and like, it's like, why did they play that way? That's never the way to win. So yeah, I'm, I think that's probably, I mean, that's my encouragement to myself. And then I guess my encouragement to you is like, the good plays are good plays and we're not necessarily going to know which of the good plays are better good plays than others. So right. if we focus a little bit more on rosters, we position ourselves better. I don't know if that helps or if you have any thoughts off of that, but I'll toss it over to you. No, I mean, that was, that was great. And I mean, that was a lot. And there's actually, you know, like halfway through you saying that there's about two points that I really want to talk about, but um, I'm hoping that I didn't forget the first one. <laughs> um the, the one of the points that I want to talk about actually when you were talking was so is it like strategy wise is it a good way to look at a slate by beating somebody um, yes uh, through like a specific game but also uh, through like a price point so like you were saying with like not everybody's going to have Jalen Hurts and Adrian Brown but like no other expensive players so I uh, made a roster earlier this week and uh, I had Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson. I mean, like it's really hard to reach those three yeah. on one roster. So, I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 
I think sometimes people, not, I think definitely sometimes people think that, okay, here's a popular guy in this price point. I'll pivot off of him and play this other popular guy in this price point. And it kind of gives you like a more black and white type of setup because like either the, the expensive guy everybody's playing does better than me and I'm behind everybody or the expensive guy I'm playing does better than this guy everyone's playing and now I'm ahead of all these rosters. But we want to kind of go those layers deeper. And so like that layer deeper that you went there is Justin Jefferson's a good play. Jalen Hurts is a good play. And if Jalen Hurts hits, there's a good chance that A.J. Brown ends up being a good play. So it's all good plays, but it's good plays that a lot of people won't have on a roster together. And so, you know, we talk about how do we shed other rosters, have fewer rosters standing in our way to a first place finish. So like if Justin Jefferson hits and he's on 20% of rosters, that helps everybody who rostered him. But if most of the money is in first place, it doesn't help you get to first place on its own, right? Like you're competing against fewer people, but you're still in a field of 10,000 entries. That's still 2000 rosters that got those Justin Jefferson points, right? So there's still more you got to do to get to first place. So if you have Jalen Hurts on that roster and maybe Jalen Hurts is 7% owned and then how many Jalen Hurts rosters also have Justin Jefferson, maybe a third of those rosters, maybe 20% because Jefferson's 20% owned, maybe even less than that because, you know, it's harder to fit those two salaries together. Uh, So then if we say now we're down to like one and a half percent of the tournament field has Hertz plus Jefferson. So now if both guys hit, you're just competing against, what is that? 150 people out of, out of 10,000 instead of competing against 2000 people out of 2000. And then how many people are going to have AJ Brown on that roster as well, even fewer. So maybe you're competing against 50 people for first place. Um, so that's if like, if Hertz goes for 35 and AJ Brown goes for 35 and Jefferson goes for 35 or 40, like sure, different people are getting those points, but you're one of only maybe 25 or 50 rosters that's getting all those points together. So now you're, you can make a mistake somewhere else because you're only competing. It's like 25 or 50 people and everybody else has a lot of ground to make up. So yeah, like for me, those are what I'm always trying to look for is, is these unique combinations that are sharp players. And they're put together in a way that, that a lot of other people won't have. And one of the easiest ways to do that is trying to find multiple expensive guys. And oftentimes, well, so you, there's a roster that um, you and I are going to talk about after the show that one of the things I'll ask you on that roster is like, do each of these guys have outlier potential? And do each of these guys have the potential to like be the reason you want a tournament? And a lot of times the guys who have that, potential or end up realizing that potential are going to be the most expensive guys, right? So the 30 point scores are typically going to come from the most expensive guys. And so just from a standpoint of maximizing points, getting multiple of the most expensive guys on a roster is beneficial. But then on top of that, the, the, what's even more powerful is the fact that most of your competition won't have those two scores together. And so you can get those multiple outlier scores but they're also on a roster together where other people don't have them. And, and so you're competing against fewer people. So yeah, anything like that. Like, I love that idea of like a Hertz, AJ Brown, Jefferson. I think it'll be, a, I've heard like, I brought it up this week, rosters like that. I've seen several other people like content providers on OWS bring up rosters like that. I think that with the pricing softer in week one, that type of roster will be more common than it usually is, but still not. I mean, it's, it's still a powerful way to go because you're getting, top players 
and fewer people will have those top players together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love, I love that approach. Awesome. Um, and then my second question, I guess, is so along the week I build these rosters and uh, I, it's, it's really easy to like when you're talking to somebody who just does this every day, it's really easy to like think that you can just do this, but like, I'll be at points when I'm like building these and I just get stuck and, and um, you can have these thoughts in your head where you're like, okay, this game is definitely going to go like this. Right. So you can, you can get your, your main two guys and then your bring back, right. Or you can double stack and then get a bring back. But then you're like, okay, I have these empty spots and I really want to think about how each individual player is going to play in each game. Like how you said you wanted um, uh, somebody from the Vikings instead of Jefferson. Yeah, you said KJ. Well, that's what really brought this question up. And you said that <clears throat> Justin Jefferson, you're going to say that Justin Jefferson is going to have a bad game. So you wanted him instead. But like thinking that so you get your main stack and then how like where what are your thoughts on, um, you know, starting that thought process? How do you do that? Well, for my practice build, ideally, I'm going game by game in the app and, you know, I click on each game so that I'm only seeing the quarterbacks from that game. And I do that until something sparks in my mind. Sometimes I start at quarterback, sometimes running back, sometimes wide receiver. So I'm like last night I was going game by game and I early in the, the week, not the we, I don't know what defines the week for week one, but like early in the last couple of weeks, early when I started really getting prepped for week one, uh, I really liked Derek Carr. And as I started going through content, like content, especially in week one, where there's so much time to prepare content is like week one is this whole blanket right and then we take like this one little fistful of the blanket of like this is where my thoughts are in this moment in time you know and so it's like i'm capturing my thoughts at that moment in time and at those moments in time where i was capturing content like Derek carr had, i still mentioned him to somebody i like but he kind of moved off of the, the sort of central place in my thoughts and so i'm going game by game in the app and i get to that game and, and like something sparked was like Derek Carr can have a, I mean, I'm like, I like Sam Howell a lot, right? But what Sam Howell's range, it's like 13 to 26 points. Whereas Derek Carr is almost always going to get like 17, 18 points. So it's like Derek Carr is like 17 to 26 points. He's got these great weapons and he's got this match against the Tennessee secondary. So it was like, all right, let me build a car roster. And, and that like, so then, then it's like, okay, well, I like Alave a lot this week. I need to build some car, Michael Thomas rosters, some car, Jawan Johnson rosters, but it's like, let's put car, and Alave on here. And then as I'm messing around with things, uh, I think at the running back position, it was like, I don't have a lot of Eckler builds and let me try this. Right. So it was like the buttons kind of start being pushed for you. Once I have Eckler and Tyree kill, I know that I then have to account for the fact that I don't have Justin Jefferson on that roster. So then I think, you know, do I think Justin Jefferson just disappoints or do I think that, you know, or, and it's not even what I think, but like, what story do I want to tell in this roster? Do I want to tell a story where he just, kind of disappoints. He gets 22 points, still a solid game, 25 points, still a solid game. Maybe the Vikings don't score a ton and you don't need any Vikings pieces. Or do I want to tell a story where maybe he scores 22, but the Vikings put up a huge score and somebody else is like the DFS player you had to have, or maybe Jefferson scores 14 and somebody else is the player you had to have. So it's it, at that point, it becomes more about the strategy than about the individual plays. It's like, well, now that this roster has Tyreek Hill and Austin Eckler, I have to account for these other guys I don't have. And how do I account for that? I also built some rosters last night with Christian McCaffrey realizing like the whole industry is off of him. 
and and he's still going to get like eight to 10 targets, you know, and he's still going to get his 14 carries. And this game, it wouldn't be shocking if this game stays close. And so it's like, okay, now Christian McCaffrey. And so what story is that telling? That's telling a story where like Austin Eckler is, is getting outscored by Christian McCaffrey. So is there any way that I can account for that? Right. Um, and, and so maybe that means Raheem Mostert, cause maybe that means you're saying a game environment where, the Dolphins are being able to run the ball more and they're just like, this game isn't as high scoring as people are thinking. And maybe the, this game is flowing in more of a, uh, like a maneuver our way to points type of situation. So yeah, like once you get past a certain point, it should ideally shift away from which players do I like and like what, what buttons is this roster pushing me toward based on how I've started it in terms of what strategy should I start considering now? Because if you have, not like you're probably going to have nine pretty solid plays on a roster, you know, but if it's just nine pretty solid plays, it doesn't do enough to get you to first place compared to nine solid plays that, that work together in a way that increases your chance of getting to first place. Right. And I think, I think of like the major problem and especially like what you're trying to say though, is once you get, like these certain price points and you have these players, like you said, where the, the roster is leading you towards pressing that button towards that specific player. So if I, you know, pick two players and then I, my salary is really like kind of getting low, my overall salary, I generally want to lead towards a cheaper player, but maybe I should pause for a second and think what story am I trying to tell instead? Yeah. 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 Like, and again, if I'm building and thinking about the game changer, which is, uh, I think it's usually like 300 entries, maybe it's 200 entries. If I'm thinking about the game changer is a high dollar single entry, small field tournament. And that's like when I'm playing, not my best is when I start thinking about that contest as I'm building practice rosters. And if I'm thinking about that contest while I'm building practice rosters, then I'm going to be like, well, I don't want to play KJ Osborne at 4,300 because that doesn't maximize my salary. I want to get down to like the 3K guy because then I've got this extra 1,300 that I can use somewhere else, right? And try to get up to one of these guys who can, but but if you're thinking about what wins you a tournament, you know, we always say that once games kick off, salary no longer matters, right? Once games kick off, all that matters is the points that you get and, you know, relate that to the points that other people are getting and how those play off each other. And so, something like KJ Osborne, it's hard for people to pull the trigger on because there is value at wide receiver this week. There are guys down, you know, at 3K who, who are going to have starting, assuming Judy's out. And even if Judy's not out, Jaden Reed at 3K, like guys who are going to have a starting role. But then, you know, what is the 40, what is that extra 1300 buy you? Not just like a player who's lower owned, but a player who plays directly off of a high owned player. And is actually capable of putting up, you know, 20 plus points. Um, you know, his game logs, KJ Osborne's game logs, not that this is, well, actually we can pull it up on, on your end. If you want to search, um, search Osborne, we can have it on the screen for users, but uh, you know, he's not going to be super consistent, but his game logs down the stretch run last season, uh, 10 points, 19.7, 18.9, a 34.7, a 14.8. Um obviously like much lower scores earlier in the year, but point being he can hit those types of games, but he's just really uncomfortable to play. And so people won't generally play him. But, um, but yeah, if I'm thinking, you know, if I'm 
building in the optimizer and I'm just putting in my rules, it's easy to be like, all right, I want 8% KJ Osborne. I would never actually press KJ Osborne's face on the app on 8% of my rosters, right? But like, if I'm just looking at, hey, what could win me this week? Then you're kind of working through everything. You're like, yeah, 8% KJ Osborne. You don't overthink it. Uh, it's harder on like the hand builds or on the practice builds to get yourself over into that mind. And so, yeah, that's one of my, one of my regrets already from week one is that too much of my practice build time has been trying to work through who the best plays on the slate are and kind of focus on those, right. Which can kind of box you into this one set of thoughts on like, okay, I'm going to play the slate this way. I'm going to bet on this game going this way. Like I probably have, I probably have 30 Chris Olave rosters and like one Michael Thomas roster, maybe two Michael Thomas rosters. Right. Um, but Michael Thomas could, could go, six for 80 and two touchdowns. So um, yeah, like when I go into the opto, I'm going to have some Michael Thomas exposure that that plays off of my Chris Olave exposure. Uh, but I haven't been sharp in my practice builds on like pushing myself to that, like what could win me a large field tournament mindset. And it's not that those are going to be the rosters I put in smaller field play, but it's just like that exercises my mind towards seeing those types of things. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, like a big mistake I can already say that I've made in week one. Like if I, like there's still plenty of opportunity. It's, it's, um, you know, 26 hours till kickoff right now. Like there's plenty of opportunity for me to have a great week one, but if I don't, uh, one of the things I'll look back and be like is, is okay. Like my practice build approach wasn't what it was supposed to be because I was just too focused on what are the sharpest ways to put this together. And the sharpest ways to put this together aren't, aren't the likeliest ways to make you money, unfortunately. <laughs> Right. And and I mean, like, especially on week one, the value plays are just so enticing right now that all of these more expensive guys, you can really fit in the roster. And it just it looks so well on paper that you just can't help yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was two years ago that Marquez Callaway was like 40 percent owned in in week one because Michael Thomas was out and Callaway was the number one wide receiver for the Saints. And he looked really good in preseason. And I think he put up, uh, I don't know, like four points or something like that. Like, um, so, you know, in fact, I'm going to look up. Uh, Marquez Calloway, uh, DraftKings scoring 2021. He put up 2.4 points in week 2.4 points. Uh, and he was the highest owned player on the slate, you know, and he was min priced and the starting wide receiver looked really good in preseason. Um, you know, we could take Luke Musgrave. And if honestly, you know, if we don't get to a roster today, this is one of the things that you'd said the other day was you, you wouldn't mind taking a show to just like talk about this stuff. And I think this is uh, as instructive as, or, or more valuable than building a roster at this point in the season. So we'll kind of see how this show goes. Cause we don't want to do like an hour, but um Oh, we're already at 27 minutes. Uh, but yeah, so the um where where were we at right before that? Marquez Callaway. Oh, the the Packers, like Luke Musgrave is gonna be popular. Jaden Reed might be popular, but I'll, I'll, it's also worth pointing out that last year, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback had seven total games between the two of them, seven total games with more than six targets in a game. Um and they only had one game with more than eight targets. Romeo Dobbs had a nine target game. So, you know, 
Christian Watson, all season, only three games over six targets. Romeo Dobbs, all season, only four games over six targets. So this is not an offense that's going to – it's not like Luke Musgrave is going to come out and get nine targets and a bunch of downfield work or Jaden Reed's going to get nine targets and a bunch of downfield work. What probably happens is these guys get five to seven targets, which might mean like anywhere from three to five catches, right? And if you get four catches for 35 yards – as a 2,900 tight end, that's not hurting those rosters, but like somebody else is outperforming that, right? And I always like to think about somebody, whoever has that big tight end score is on somebody's roster. And if they're not on your roster, you're now competing against that somebody to get to first place in that tournament. And that's different for different tournament sizes. If I'm in a 200 entry tournament, I'm less worried about, you know, this random guy who can have a big game. If I'm in a 50,000 entry tournament, I have to be aware that whatever random guy has a big game, he's on somebody's roster. And so I have to account for that. I have to be ready for that. And so, uh, and that's nothing against like the Luke Musgrave play, but when we just talk about, because Musgrave could score a touchdown in there, or he could break a long play, right? It could happen. But the point is that the chances are a lot lower than people are going to think and a lot lower than like the automatic feel of pushing that button. Uh, At this point, I kind of think Jerry Judy is going to play and that's going to throw a lot of people off. But the Marvin Mims one is interesting because he has like a like a legit downfield role and he could see six or seven targets and that could be four catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. So like that's one where he could put up the type of score you actually had to have at 3K in salary. But I just want to illustrate that the the certainty is never as high. If we're playing double ups or head to heads, then it's like, yeah, you play Luke Musgrave because everybody else is doing that. Why try to outsmart them on that spot? Just be like, sure, I'll take this guy. And if I'm wrong, I'm probably wrong against the people I'm playing against. But in tournaments, when we can see that, when we can paint the picture of how these points come together, it's like, well, can this guy really be the outlier? Can he really be the separator? And, and is the chance as high as what everybody is, is painting it to be? So, um, you know, on my show yesterday with Squirrel Patrol on Rotor Grinders, uh, he said that he'll, he might have 0% Washington defense this week. And it's not that Washington defense is a bad play on paper. It's just that it's not as good of a play as ownership is going to say, right? Because it's just such a comfortable pick. And then upside comes from sacks and turnovers. But if you're Arizona, you're going to be just throwing short passes and and running the ball, trying to march the field, avoid mistakes. So it's like, you know, are they going to allow a lot of points? Probably not. Are they going to have six sacks and two picks? Probably not. You know, like Josh Dobbs has been in the NFL for, I don't know, I think like six years, seven years. Like he's probably not going out there and taking six sacks and throwing two interceptions. So, yeah, I mean, like, are the Colts likelier to pick up, you know, five sacks against Trevor Lawrence than the commanders are to pick up five sacks against Josh Dobbs? Yeah, like the Colts aren't likely to pick up five sacks against Trevor Lawrence, but they're probably likelier because Lawrence is going to drop back a lot more and look to throw downfield a lot more. So it's like finding those spots where it's like, yeah, this is a solid play on paper. It's a great cash game play but the ceiling might not be as high as everybody thinks. Uh, we kind of want to be poking around on that type of stuff in week one too. Um, yeah, I think we'll skip a roster today. So uh, I don't know. You got any other thought or yeah. question? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep shooting them at you. Um, right. Another thing I wanted to really talk about, and they just keep popping up, you know, as, as you speak, just, just because um, I just have so many questions. But uh, <laughs> one of the things I want to talk about was um, – entry like in the amount of entries you can have in a single 
like roster or a tournament. So the 20 entry tournaments, the single entry tournaments, you were talking about how recently you've been doing a lot more uh, multi-entry tournaments. Um, something that I do, I consider my single entry, multi-entry. I just enter in like, I don't know, 10, 10 of those single entries. And I'll enter in a couple multi-entries. But what I'm saying is I consider them a multi-entry and I play it like I would play a multi-entry. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I think that's super sharp. The The... As long as they're rosters that account for what other people are doing. And so if you're playing single entry, you know that whatever ownership projections are on a player, like, like so Washington defense is projected, well, last I looked like 28% owned, but that's for the Millie Maker, where people are built, some people are building 150 rosters and people are recognizing you gotta take these big swings for first place. If Washington is truly 28% owned, in the Millie Maker, they could be 40 to 45% owned in a single entry tournament. Um, if, say, Luke Musgrave is 12% owned in the Millie Maker, he might be 20% owned, 18% owned in the single entry tournament. So ownership is going to congregate more heavily on the quote sharpest players because people only get to put in one entry. So they're that much more scared to put those in. So there's a balance. So I'll, I'll take it in two parts. I really like the strategy of building different single entry rosters because that allows you, you know, what I said earlier about if this random guy goes off in a large field multi-entry tournament, I know that somebody has him. And so I have to account for the fact that somebody has him because I like, and I don't mean they, they're, they cost 5k and they put up 22 points and nobody's on them. I mean, like the guy who's 5k and puts up 32 points right and it's like man you really that person's way ahead of the field for getting that or the guy who's 3k and puts up 25 points whoever rosters that guy is way ahead of the field and so i want to think about who on every single team is capable of that type of score because if i'm not getting that score somebody else is getting that score and, and then i'm like i have to be tight about saying okay but not this guy. Like I, this is not the guy I'm chasing this week. This is not the guy I'm chasing this week. And if he hits, I have to be okay with that. But like, I just think his chances are too low. Right. And then I find the guys from every team who it's like, this guy really could hit this guy really could hit. And that allows me to be on those guys. And then I say in single entry, you don't need those guys. Cause if that guy hits, doesn't matter. Nobody has him. Right. So when you're building 10 rosters for single entry, it actually gives you the opportunity to have the guy that other people don't have. And you don't have to branch as far out in your thinking either because ownership is going to congregate more heavily. So you can be on the guy who, you know, maybe he's going to be 4% owned in large field play, but he might be 1% owned in single entry or half percent owned in single entry. Like he's still a solid play. There's a lot of upside, but he's just not where people are going in single entry. And you have that guy because you're building 10 single entry rosters. So that's, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, the from a strategy standpoint you still have to think about that it's single entry and think like okay i i kind of know the answers to the test a little bit i know what other people are going to be doing because whoever's popular is going to be more popular in single entry so you still have to be cognizant of how you're playing off of what everybody else is going to be doing and how you're winning against the rosters in that tournament so i think that there there can be a tendency to be too galaxy brained so to speak by doing that where it's like, yeah, it's still a roster that can win a tournament, but it like, 
maybe takes on more risk than was necessary in this tournament where you already know that everybody's going to be kind of congregated on these most popular plays. So yeah, it's like finding that balance between those two points. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, from, from what I think is it's a, it's a great idea to do that, to do the, um, you know, play the single injuries, like it's a multi-entry, but at the same time, it could definitely hurt you as well, just because you're not going through like the regular plays that they would be playing the 40% own. And so what if that 40% own guy hits, that means half that that uh, tournament is they're up, but you're like at the very back. And I mean, you're you're basically trying to play catch up. I feel like the rest of the game. If, if yeah, but that, I'm less concerned about that. Like I'm okay with the forty percent own guy hitting because if you have him and he hits, you're still. I mean, it depends on who it is, right? If it's Justin Jefferson, like I remember a week where, in fact, it was. Um, God, this is so long ago. I guess Abby and I have been married for like a year or two. And we were in, uh, or a few years, but we were in Branson with Mimi and Poppy, like over Thanksgiving. And I'm like watching my phone and Antonio Brown's score just like keeps going up and up and up. It is, uh, I think it was Steelers against the Raiders when he was on the Steelers. And he ended up putting up like 58 points in one week, but he was like 50% owned, right? Yeah. So you, I wasn't winning a tournament because- Antonio Brown was putting up 58 points, but if I didn't have him, I had no shot that week. Right. So there's yeah. players like that. They're going to be popular. Uh, when the first time you and I ever talked about DFS was a couple of years ago. And uh, there was a week where I think it was Devonte Adams. Like everybody was going to be playing Devonte Adams. And, and then he went out and put up like 39 points or 42 points or something like that. You know? So it's like, there's weeks like that where everybody is, going to be on a play and you might still need that play, but more often those 40% owned guys like is Luke Musgrave likely to bury you for not having had him? Probably not. You know, is the Washington defense likely to bury you for not having had them? They, they need a defensive touchdown to bury you. And that's still a pretty low percentage outcome. Right. So probably not. So in that instance, I like to, like I want to stay away from those 40% owned guys, unless it's the guys who I think can really break the slate. And I don't mind if they hit because like, that's cool. Like I'm, I, I wasn't going to win this week anyway. Right. Like they hit and you're still competing against a huge chunk of the field and need a ton of other things to go right to get to first place. Whereas if they miss, you know, you're competing against still a huge chunk of the field, but like you have all your options open and everybody else has all their options open. And, and this 40% of the field is kind of out of it. So um, it's less about that and more about like we can think too far outside the box and not just think about like, hey, I know what everybody's doing in this tournament. So let me play my strategy off of that. Um, we can kind of think too much about players and move away from the strategy components. And the strategy components are so much easier in single entry because you kind of know what everybody's doing. Um, and that's a hard balance, you know, because we do tend to think about our single entry rosters like, oh, let me nail down what I really think is going to happen. Um, but everybody else is doing that too. And so we can just say, well, what does the group think think is going to happen? And let me just forget trying to predict and just put good plays on a roster that play off of what everyone else is doing. Right. So there's another thing as well. Um, we're we're going to talk about it after the show, the the roster that I wanted to, to work on with you. Um, it's a, it's a huge, I think, mind block when you spend more money than you're comfortable with on a roster. And I mean, I spent more than I like, have on this specific roster before but uh it's the beginning of the season and i don't feel as crazy as i do you know near the end of the season <laughs> um 
But when you spend more on a roster, I feel like you want to play it safer because in the back of your head, you want that roster to hit more than the other ones. Yeah. That is a good way to um, get out of that mindset and really just try and get in the getting to first place and nothing else. Mindset. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like the easiest way to lose money is to play a roster where you start worrying about losing on that roster. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. The good thing is like, depending on your level of self-awareness and discipline, which, which you are generally a, a self-aware and disciplined person. So it would have to carry over to DFS, but depending on your level of self-awareness and discipline, you can take that roster out up until the point where the contest fills. Now, once the contest is full, that roster can no longer be removed, but like you still have easily up until this evening, I would think to be like, you know what? Like it would have been fun to do this, but I have a whole season and I'm playing too. Like I cannot, like I feel like I'm committed to this roster. And so now I have to do it, but I'm like overthinking things. Um, I've had countless rosters that I've, I've taken out. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to lose on this roster. And sometimes I'm sure that some of those times I would have actually made money, but far more often I would have lost money, like over a, the large sample size of all the times that I felt that way and either left the roster in or taken the roster out. Uh, I would have, I would have lost money um, or, or, you know, did lose money or would have lost money over that span of time. So um, first of all, I'd keep that in mind. And then secondly, it's like, we'll, we'll talk about it some more as we kind of poke around on the roster, but the, it's just got to be like a mindset shift of because all of this, this is what I started trying to remind myself at like three o'clock in the morning when I was unexpectedly awake was like, all I'm doing is putting one set of samples into the bucket this week. Right. Like I, I, because again, I, I haven't had a winning week one since 2017. And a large part of that is because OWS launched in 2018. And so every year I'm like so busy leading up to the season and there's all this business stuff and I'm working 14 hour, you know, I mean, you know, Abby and the kids are out of town for two weeks so I can work around the clock for two weeks. And, and then the other part of that is that, uh, and I, I mentioned this in the Oracle this week in, in response to one of the questions was that my edge in DFS is taking like blending how well I know all the teams and players and blending that with my understanding of the strategy. But in week one, we know a lot less about the teams and players. So typically week six onward is when I get really hot. And week six is around the time that all the busyness and business stuff for OWS is slowed down. And it's around the point where we have a lot more information about all these teams and players. And so it's interesting, like once the business stuff slows down and my knowledge on these teams picks up, I like it's hard for me to lose kind of on a week in and week out basis. But early in the season, it's been harder for me to win over the last five years and most particularly in week one. And so this year I carved out some, I didn't do best ball drafting. I carved out time to prep for week one early. And it was like, I felt really great a couple of weeks ago. I felt really great a week ago. And then as I've gotten deeper into this week, I am realizing how all my practice rosters are really like single entry, small field rosters and I'm playing too tight. And, and it was like, man, all I'm doing, all I need to do is create like one positive sample in the bucket of sample sizes for the whole season. And it was like, I will not care 
on Sunday night if I lost money this week, as long as I lost money because I played really well, as opposed to lost money because I played too tight or too poorly. And um, so, yeah, it would be, it would be almost saying like, okay, this roster has more money on it than I usually put on a single roster, but I'm going to do this. This isn't the only time I'll have a roster like this throughout this season, throughout the next several seasons. Um, and be able to say like, what about over the next 20 times that I put a roster into this contest at this price point over the next 20 times, is this a roster that would make money, right? Like if I keep putting in this sample in this bucket, will it come out positively over time? And so, um, yeah, it's, I mean, and I, it's, it's, a it's the right answer, right? That's the mindset. And then it's another thing to actually like pull over to that mindset because, uh, we're human, right? So we have to still like shift our brain over. And that's why like Zandemir every week spends some time in the hot tub on Saturday night and why Sonic spends some time meditating on Saturday nights. Cause like, how do I find that headspace where I can kind of let go a little bit and um, fire these in, in a way that I'm really aiming for first place. So yeah, that's some, we're getting into some, um, some therapy on the couch type stuff. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, valuable from a standpoint of not not playing too tight on all of this and it's you know a lot of times the best the best dfs players that we're competing against they play all the sports so they're not putting as much pressure on week one as because they, they've got an mlb slate today and an mlb slate tomorrow and the next day and whatever else they're playing right so we have to recognize that like if the if the casual player or the nfl only player comes in and it's like putting too much pressure on this one slate the, the the best players that we're competing against are not doing that. So we're then that much farther behind them. So it's got to be like a let go type of mentality. And I, I might listen back to this show later before I build my rosters and make sure that I'm in that same, same headspace. Um, so we're like 15 minutes longer than we typically go on this show. Do you have any other uh, thoughts you want to pour in here before we go? Uh, no, I just want to like let everybody who's watching put in any comments for when we have a, uh, like, you know, a show like this, or we don't build a roster one day a week, and maybe we can look through and have see any questions that you guys have, and JM can try to answer them. Yeah, love that, love that. Uh, Keegan with the sharp. Uh, what generation are you? Are you a Zoomer? Do you count as a Zoomer? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, technically, I'm a millennial, but I'm like I didn't have texting till I was in college, so I don't know how I'm a millennial. Um, I'm, I'm a God. What what am I? Am I? I'm. 23 years old. So I, I was born in 2000. Uh, what is that? That's like right on the cusp of Zoom range. Old. I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you know how to do YouTube better than uh, than I do. So, um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So with that, we'll get out of here. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out, watching this with us. As Keegan said, drop questions because Keegan has asked if we could maybe do shows like this a little bit more often as well, where we just kind of talk through some things from a less roster-based standpoint and more DFS based standpoint. So uh, questions in other things you'd like to see in the show, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we will see you on one week season. Everything's free this week. So if you're watching this Saturday, if you're watching this, haven't checked out the site, go there, projections, ownership projections, optimizer, content, strategy, content, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we will see you on the site throughout the weekend and we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday.